The Equity Foundation is the professional development arm of MIA Equity and Equity New Zealand. Each year, the Equity Foundation delivers more than 100 masterclasses, workshops, film screenings, in conversations, international scholarships, and on set internships free of charge for Equity members. We give our thanks to our principal sponsor, Media Super. Okay, so as you know, my name is Alex Jones and I'm the Program Manager of the Equity Foundation. And today I have the great pleasure in introducing Casting Director Amanda Mitchell and President of New South Wales Equity, Glenn Hazeldean. Now, before we commence, I would like to acknowledge the Gadigal people of the Eora Nations and pay my respects to all the traditional owners of country and all throughout our country and recognise their continuing connection to land, waters and culture and that this always was and always will be Aboriginal land, and we pay our respects to Elders past, present and emerging. As always, I want to take a minute to thank the Equity Foundation's principal sponsor, Media Super. Media Super is your super fund, and they have supported the foundation since our beginning in the early 2000s. They are able to help you with your superannuation and give you financial advice, and they really are fully equipped to assist you because they understand uh, the different income streams that actors have. So contact me if you need some contact details. Uh, just a reminder um, in Sydney that the self-test studios are available on a Monday that has a reader and a camera operator. Uh, it's a pilot program kindly supported by the Actors Benevolent Fund of New South Wales and was created in consultation with the Casting Guild of Australia. Now, in the rest of the states and the rest of the days in uh, days of the week in Sydney, it's open to you, but you don't have any support. So just go to the Equity Foundation website and look at the self-test section and uh, you can sort of make a booking. Uh, okay, well, enough of me. I'm handing it over now to Amanda and Glenn. So thank you. Hi, everybody. Um, I see lots of um, familiar faces and names there. So uh, welcome aboard. Uh, as um, Alex said, I am the New South Wales president uh, of our union. And today we have uh, the divine Amanda Mitchell with us. Uh, I'm beaming in, by the way, from uh, Bidjigal land down here in Walleye Creek uh, in the Eora Nation. Amanda, hello, how are you? Hello, I'm really well. I'm so excited to see faces, can I say, because I think yeah. the last time we did it, there weren't any. And I'm so used to being on Zooms with no faces. So it's it's really exciting. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know, I didn't know this, but are you, were you an ac actor at some point? Uh, uh, or like a microsecond? Yes, uh, a long, long time ago. I um, studied acting at QUT. So, and it's actually oh. why I moved to Australia. Um, I was on holiday um, visiting my sister and I thought I'd just try out for these acting schools. And I actually was in Queen, I was in Brisbane and I was just there for the day. Oh God, now I'm telling you my life story. But um, right. yeah, I auditioned for NIDA and I auditioned for QUT uh, and I think even BCA. It was all in the one day. 
And QUT, I didn't even know about callbacks. This was like 25 years ago, just thinking like, oh, I'll just show up. And of course, halfway through the audition, they said, okay, so it, you know, how long will you be here? And I said, well, I'm leaving tomorrow. So they actually organized a panel for me to like make the call on that day. Um, so I studied acting at QUT. I loved it, but I hated it. And every time I was in a play, all of my directors on opening night would come up to me afterwards and say, where was that during rehearsal? Because I functioned entirely on fight or flight. Um, and I was so scared of getting it wrong in the rehearsal period um, that I never tried. Um, right. Kind of all came out. Anyway, long story short, on Showcase, my Showcase at Sydney Wharf, I'll never forget, I, I missed my call because I was so engrossed in the scene before. And that's kind of when I knew, I was like, oh, I don't know if I want to do it, but I like watching it. Um, so yeah and then what so what was the segue then into casting director and I think this is kind of why 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 I feel about actors the way I do Um, not just because I've been there but because because of I know how debilitating it is and I know all of those um, not knowing that all of the unknowns that you're dealing with Um, and it was just too confronting for me I I lived in Sydney for a year after that because I had got in my car, my Barina, and I drove to Sydney to showcase. And then I got my waitressing job at Sydney Dance Cafe on the day of my showcase. Um, And then as the months went by, like you get a lot of attention as a grad and it was really exciting. And funnily enough, Christine King, who then became my mentor a couple of years later, she was the first person who auditioned me for Nicholas Cage's one, you know, the one with the on fire. There's a uh, what was it called? Yeah, I'm so sure somebody, yeah, I remember the one on the motorbike. Yes, yes, Ghost Rider, Ghost Rider. Yeah. Ghost Rider. Thank you. So that was the day after my showcase, and she was the first person to take a punt. Um, and anyway, god, I really am telling you my life story. Um, so then I worked as a waitress. And the kind of the uh, things died down around halfway through the year. And then every time I found I got an audition, I found myself making excuses why I couldn't do it and putting off like self-sabotage, essentially, like, you know, not learning my lines and like coming in all a fluster, you know, like, oh, God, I'm so sorry. I was working late and I was, you know, my dog ate my homework kind of thing. But the, in, in experiencing it at the time, they were all very, very valid and very true. Like I never felt like I was making an excuse. I would say that everybody listening or watching now would have experienced exactly the same. Thing. Oh, I mean, I'm maybe not. Maybe everyone's really and like really comfortable in their skin and uh, <laughs> very well prepared. Um, I was not. Um, right. And it's a really, it was a really, um, it makes you feel very vulnerable after a while. And that kind of, because it's not only the rejection of not getting the roles, but it's also you're kind of rejecting yourself in this weird way because you're not allowing yourself to put your best foot forward. So you're kind of failing. It felt, at least to me, that I was failing on both sides. Anyway, so then I thought, well, stuff this. I've got to kind of figure out a way to stay in Australia because I actually was not um, a permanent resident. Um, So, or it was expiring. And so I went back to do my master's 
And then I came back to Sydney and I thought, well, obviously I'm back in Sydney, so therefore put my actor hat on. I'm going to do go-sees and arranging, you know, to meet. And it was Peter Einberg who I caught up with and this beautiful beaming warm smile opened the door and said, oh, Amanda, what have you been up to? And I said, I don't want to be an actor. I want to do what you do. And she's like, is this a job interview or a, a go-see or what's going on? Anyway, so then she said I should contact Kirsty because Kirsty's got the acting background. Had a coffee with Kirsty, and at the coffee, Kirsty was like, "We absolutely do not have any um, jobs going at the moment, but I'm happy to talk about it." And then the next day, she called, going, "We have jobs available. Would you like to work?" Because that's how the industry works. Um, and then I worked for her um, as an assistant for three months, and then she kindly, um, I went traveling, and then I got a call from Christine King and said, hey, I've heard some good things. Would you like to come work with me? Yeah, great. And that's Kirsty McGregor you're talking about. Yes, Kirsty McGregor and then Christine King, who was my mentor. Yeah, yeah, great. Well, look, let's just get into it. When when um, uh, uh, something's being cast, be it an, is, it, is it different if it's an ad, if it's a TV program or if it's a film? But you get a, just talk me through what happens. You get a phone call from somebody, right? Yes. So firstly, I should say that I have never ha had the pleasure of doing TVCs. So I can't speak. I, oh, yeah. I know that's a whole other. Yeah. yeah. Um, but with TV and film. So the, the main difference for me is that with TV, it usually comes as a kind of, hey, we're presenting this. We're, we're, we're wanting to uh, pitch this to a network. Can you come up with a few names of these leads? Read the script, blah, blah, blah. And then you put the forward the names and then miraculously, like three to six months later, I get a call going, great, we're greenlit. We're ha it's happening in here and da, 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 da. And then off we go. Whereas with film, it's very different. Uh, it's usually a much longer process and is in the preliminary stage for much longer. Um, and uh, the strike rate is not as high um with film it's just harder um and uh and the financing is almost always entirely about cast right um, makes it very difficult so those are the two main differences in terms of the approach um in terms of tackling it um i think the television is probably most clean cut for me i can speak about and please forgive me tell me when you don't want to know this level of detail or if if i should expand on stuff but um I can break it into two different things. One is American stuff and the other is um, Australian and they both work very differently. Just quickly, Amanda, how, how much these, at the moment, how much of the work is American and how much is local? Is is it predominantly local things that are being cast here or or is America still a big deal? Obviously, I can only speak on for, for myself and um, my company, but um, at the moment this year, very little. Um, during very little American very little American, yes, thank you. Um, but across COVID, it was pretty much all I did because I worked with NBC Universal, who um, shot Young Rock here, um, who shot La Brea here, and there were like three seasons of both. Uh, I did. I worked with Sarah Finn, who is the US casting director on for Marvel, um, amongst other things. Um, everything, everywhere, all at once, which she also cast, which is amazing. Um, so I worked on all the Marvel films. I worked on Extraction. I worked, so it's like there was a lot of work happening here because we were still open for business, I guess, um, during COVID times. Whereas now it seems a little bit more balanced. It's kind of going back to the pre-COVID 
where um, there's, you know, one or two projects coming in. But it's really exciting for Australian stuff. I, I notice a massive boom, like not this year and last year, you oh, know, really? ramped up for Australian uh, Australian television in particular. Yeah, great. Uh, for me, at least, um, I noticed it was almost like, you know, I don't know if it was insurance costs that were stopping it or what, but it was like this flood of work, which was really exciting. And a lot of production companies used COVID as like a kind of, um, um, what's the word, um, development, development stage right. um, for a lot of projects. So everything was kind of lined up. Say, say, say you've got a, a TV series happening. Let's say the the, the fancy names of the, the leads. Um, you've had that negotiation with with the producers. Um, when I, if, for, say for me, you know, if I were to, how, how, do, how do I get on a list? How do I get on a list to be um, in line for movies? Is that something that you put together for the producers and the director or do you do it together or do they come to you and say, we want these actors or how does it work but there's so many questions in the one and i yeah. wish um <laughs> where does it look start me off start me off what okay. you've done the main roles we're just well, okay and and forgive me because i kind of tend to spread um when i answer a question so feel free to get me back on track if you can even yeah. um keep me on it um yep. but with it depends again i'm focused mainly on television because it's the thing that's quite dynamic and it kind of keeps moving forward whereas film is a little slower but also it, it, it's it's a different dynamic and a different set of expectations from this it's just different relationships whereas with television there's like this it's a little bit more clean cut so you've got your director you've got the producers and then you've got the network typically right and you've kind of got to make everyone happy so a lot of casting is actually like problem solving and mediating and matchmaking, not just with the the actors and the director, but also like, you know, juggling the commercial expectations of the producer and the network, but also the creative tastes of the director, which is generally tends to be what, what the dynamic is. Um, and it doesn't... And part of your job, sorry, Amanda, part of your job, I guess, is to then... Um, adjust from person to person, personality oh, to personality. Oh my God, are you kidding? So it's, it's always going to be different. Personality management as well and taste because it's such a subjective thing, right? It's so subjective. And so the best, now I'm again, I am going on a tangent, but the best conversations I find in casting is when you've got producers um, in the room, a director in the room and myself, and I really, really bring it back to less about the actor and more about the character because the char unlocking the character will then determine so much because you've got a whole bunch of people going, oh, I really like this person because, you know, I didn't, did you see that performance in that that show? And I really like, and I like this thing about them. And I don't like them because some the way that they look, you know, when they act is a, a little bit too superficial for me. Or, you know, they're making observations that are so subjective about the actor. Whereas if you bring it back to the character and I, I, I nine times out of 10, any major dispute about who to go for stems from people not being on the same page about the character and I think that's really interesting because the number of times where I'm in like decision making mode when I took before we all find out that everyone sees this character in a different way you know and you're like yeah. oh this is a bit dangerous how many so when you're thinking of those names you know you see a character and you say oh it kind of reminds me of uh Noel Hodder 
who's on the call today. Um, you, you, if, if we need a Noel Hodder type. Then how many Noel Hodders do you have to then go and find? To, to oh, no, because no, because Noel Hodder is Noel Hodder, and I don't want a t I don't want fifty Noel Hodders. Right. Like, I want a Noel Hodder and then a Glenn. Like I, yeah. you know. So how many people do you get to kind of put and then a break like you've got to have different like oh it, it so depends oh my god there's just so many things to talk about um let if if i may can i just quickly go back to the starting process of when you said how do you get on a list so it yep. really does depend usually it is the leads as people have noticed that it tends to be more of a discussion offer only that's where the profiles tend to come and i really really don't it really irks me when you can tell where the where the commercial comes from. Do you know what I mean? Where you're like, oh, <laughs> such and such is playing the lead role. And then uh, it, it just feels like that's the thing that greenlit the project. And it's, and it's not always the creatively most interesting way to go. Um, but sometimes that's out of necessity. It's like what kickstarts it. You have to make that decision first. Whereas with something like Totally Completely Fine for Stan, which I did, was so exciting and so energized experience because everyone had trust in everyone about getting to the finished product so when I say that I mean they didn't need us to fulfill the commercial expectation at the start we cast literally the entire ensemble before casting Thomas and Mackenzie as our lead like do right. you see what I'm saying so and that to me is really exciting because you get to focus on the creative part you've got to be careful that you're not like cornering yourself into a place where now this role has to be a like a profile name or whatever but if you do it well then you're really focusing on the creative choices and when you say how do you get on a list we brief the project to agents we go through the suggestions we think of our own um, options and we ask them, you know, I'll see, I've seen someone audition for something that I like. Um, um, Jan Ben Epps, I saw on here, like there was something that I saw her do for a project that I was like, oh, she's great at that. So I'll get her to audition for, you know, the next project that I'm doing. Um, so it works a little bit just all over the place, really. Do you go to all the agents to do to, to all the Every agents? Single one. I think my, I can't, my conscience can't let, like some people say, oh, you know, I brief only these. The only time I do that is for kids agents because, and even then adult agencies have, have take on kids now. So a lot more in the last five, 10 years. So just to be safe, no stone. Yeah. Showcast and casting networks, no bias. Just get it out there wherever you're on. Just will email. Sometimes agents will email saying they're not on a platform. So we have a special folder in our email for email suggestions. If we're lucky enough and the budget permits and we've got the time, we'll do an open call, which is always exciting. Yeah. But if, say oh, there are, I don't know, how many agents are there? 30? 30 agents. Yeah. How many agents are there? Like hundreds of agents. Oh, so if they all send in names, what do you do? You can't, you can't. We, oh, hundreds we and hundreds of people for every role, can you? We do. That's quite literally what we do. And what I tend to do when it's really busy, and this is why I think I'm always going to be a small company because it's a bit of a control freak to be across absolutely everything. But I have a beautiful Mia and Erica who work with me, um, and that's their desk, which is why I'm pointing over there. And if, for example, if if things are moving too quickly and there's too much going on, I'll ask Mia, can she do a first pass to get the ball rolling? And then what, what do you mean by pass? What's a pass? So going through the suggestions, which by the way, for a lead role or like for a lot of key roles, 
there can be on showcast there can be up to 20 pages worth of actors on casting networks there can literally be like 40 50 pages worth and you just have to be and that's why I like the pass of Mia going through it first and then she'll select we have a system of how to mark you know our preferences of who to book Um, and she'll go through it but then she won't mark them as viewed so that I can then go in and I can see who she's marked but I can also add anyone else on or if I feel strongly enough about someone being taken off I can do that do you know what I mean so it just this is before this is before anybody sent any audition in this is 100 percent always always and it's it's the, the the thing that I use it for is, and, and by the way, we'll talk about auditions, I'm sure, and like platforms yeah. for auditions at some point. This is before self-tapes. I know that a lot of casting folk talk about this idea about there's more auditions going and more self-tapes because, and it's a greater opportunity to see more actors, but I I have some opinions about that. But the the way that I decide whether or not to give someone a first audition was the same pre-COVID to, to now, which is this delicate mix of like people who I know and I look out for or I'll add to the list if they're not suggested and also just wild cards because I'm like, I don't know you, I don't know you, I don't know you, I don't know you. And that's my way of getting to know you, right? Um, so I do that for literally all roles because why, why waste that opportunity? So how many people do you ideally, I mean, I, I know it's going to vary from project to project and how much time you have, but what what is, what for each role, what is the size of a list jet, like roughly? How many, uh, if, we're all, we're all everyone on the call says, well, I want to be up for every job, but that's not possible. How, and just give us some idea of what uh, you're restricted to. It, it does depend. So um, unfortunately, there is no black and white answer. So our template answer. So for leads um, and key uh, ensemble players, probably the most because, uh, oh, actually not always. Sometimes for the bit players, it's like you just have to find the right person and you just do hundreds. Um, But for the leads, if it's a search, not like a profile kind of let's discuss these actors and it's a bit more niche, it depends on what the requirements of the role are as well. Like if there are, if there's, if it's specific to a heritage and that we would like to honour and cast authentically, of course that determines it. Or if it's a particular age, you know, um, okay. have an American accent and I know the people in that um, more mature age bracket that can do it, you know, those types of things. But generally speaking, we're pretty freaking thorough. So I'm not answering your question, but I will and say sometimes Heartbreak High, we saw thousands. Right. Across so how many roles? Uh, probably the three was about a thousand or 1500, but across the ensemble, easy, like 5,000, easy. Because oh we just open called, we just, it was everything whereas like you know like thomason's role on totally completely fine we did use the opportunity because we didn't know where the where the um profile was going to come from and i didn't like the idea of obligating us to having that lead as the profile i was kind of like trying to go you know can we put someone new on there so we probably saw about maybe 200 right actresses but that's a really like that age bracket is, you know, it was between the age of like 20, 23, 24 to like 34, 35. So it's like there was a, there's a large number of candidates. Yeah. And you're casting a really broad eye. I mean, you're not looking for any specific type necessarily. Uh, you, 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 you try to think of 
the poss like the endless possibilities for who could play the role rather than uh, all, like no yes, yes, yes. Generally, we yeah, not just no. Bless. Yeah. You're getting a lot of attention. Um, <laughs> um, You'll hate that. Uh, although I would love to cast Noel and everything. Um, but uh, again, it really depends on the requirements for the role. But I do like to challenge it. So just because, and I say this with respect to writers and creators, because obviously that needs to, we need to go through that process of seeking their approval. But, you know, who's to say that this character has to be, you know, in their twenties and um a male identifying why can't it be you know 60s like I've noticed that the ensemble it's really heavy in this particular age bracket is there a way to kind of give it a bit more light and shade do you know what I mean yeah so we we tend to and you have some say I mean they they really give you um a great deal of uh open range there to, to make not, not not as open as American stuff uh, you kind of have to fight for it. But if you've been working for, with them for a while, you can be, um, uh, you know, uh, a little bit more opinionated. But in Australia, generally speaking, my the people that I've worked with, I've been very fortunate, have been quite collaborative. And they have, you know, ultimately they can turn around and say no. Sometimes the director says no and goes no, you know, because of this and this and this. Yeah. But generally, very collaborative. Yeah, right. That's the most fun and trusting when you have trust. That's, that's, uh, that's helpful. And you get your, so you get your list, you come up with an agreed list of who, who will, who you'll approach to send in tests. We live in the, because of technology and I guess um, post COVID, I, I, it was probably inevitable, but we live in an age now where people are self-testing. They're putting down their own tests because everybody has access to pretty much a phone. It, 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 that's how people are testing, right? They're using their phones. Totally. Oh, anything and everything. As long as I can see you and I can hear you, I don't care how you've taped it. You can, I've I've seen all sorts of um, auditions where they, you know, actors record themselves reading for themselves. Actors don't have anyone and the turnaround is so tight. So they're literally just reciting their lines and kind of reacting off silence, which is so difficult. <laughs> yeah, it's hard. I find it so difficult. But what, uh, what, 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 tell me just some no's, like when you've been sent a test that you go, look, this isn't going to, this isn't any help to the actor at all. Why? What, what have you seen in that test where you've said they've not done themselves any favors here? Uh, okay. So it's different for the size of roles. So I was actually going to comment earlier about how many people we see for like, you know, for bit players, not even bit players, but smaller roles, right? Yeah. It seems like an obvious thing. We see, it can be a lot less because it's determined by geography. So I'm not going to see people in New Zealand for something that's shooting in Sydney. That's one day that's probably yeah. going to cost more to, you know, blah, blah, blah. Um, but, but also because there are some really great actors who can nail these roles. And I'm not talking about just recycling and reusing the same people, but it is a particular skill. And this is why actors are just, I'm in awe because there's like the, 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 performance you give on the day, there's the whole kind of audition skill set, there's the TVC skill set, there's the leading role skill set, but then there's the bit player or small player, small role player skill set, which is deceptively hard. And that is to come in, do your job, get out um, and not make a massive meal of it, but somehow still be memorable. And that is the thing that I find the most challenging and what I would say no to that particular type of role is just making way too much of a meal of it. It's the kind of thing where, you know, if you're if you're working as an, an emergency nurse and you're running in to say, hey, we need that stat or whatever, say the line is, 
<laughs> I don't know what it is, but it's like coming in and it's like, you know, we need that stat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and it's really bizarre because these are actors who I've seen audition for larger roles and just be really low key, you know. But it's something about this, like, I don't know, it's the size or something that just, it's like, I have to do a lot of things. <laughs> so just keep it simple. Like, don't, you know, you're just looking for that short grab. You don't need to have the whole world presented yeah. um, for you and the character's breakfast and whatever, you know, you just, yeah. you just want to keep it clean and straight yeah. and simple. And I think that's the thing. It's like, okay, in the same way that, you know, to me, nothing... Uh, Nothing beats prep, right? I mean, it sounds like such an obvious thing to say, but uh, another thing is people really underestimate the power of relationships. Like in scenes, they like so many actors don't pay enough attention to the relationships between that character and the other people in the scene. When we're selecting a scene, and I'll circle back to, to the don't make a meal out of it, um, but when we're when we're selecting scenes because that's what we do for lead roles right you or larger roles if you've got more than one scene I can safely say that you will have interactions with different characters unless it's a two-hander or you only deal with one other role there's a reason why we're doing that because we want to see your character with this person and then with this person and then with this person um, or indeed in one scene and you've got six different people yeah. sometimes your focus is so much on the emotional journey of the character that you're kind of your how you feel about the people in the scene is just like this general wash yeah so that's that's what i mean about like um now see now i've lost it but you, like, well but, you were saying nothing beats prep and is that oh, an yes, example thank you. That, type of, that type of prep but part of the prep is not just oh look thinking about your character thinking about your backstory thinking about you know it's not just that it's actually thinking about the genre it's thinking about your place in the overall story. Um, Peter, I think it was Peter Andrakides who said something that actually really made sense of time because he used to always say, and I, anyone who's worked with Peter will know that I haven't worked with him for years, but he he would go faster, 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 faster. Like that's like the one bankable direction that he'd always give. And it's knowing the purpose behind your character in that scene. And if it's a transition scene, it should be faster, faster, faster. Like you're in and out, just do it and then get out. So looking at how it's, how your character fits and the scene fits in the overall story. Does yeah. that make sense? It does. I, I quite like that idea. I, I, I probably should have thought about it. It seems obvious when you say it, but the, the idea of when you, when you're sending off say three different scenes that, with different characters that you kind of are looking for the the, the different relationships yeah these people and that's i mean you know obviously done with subtlety not not indicating it but that's a that's a nice little point but you think that's that's the level of nuance and that's what we can see when we see a finished product in a scene is knowing that you know and it's the difference between um you know and i use this example all the time with actors is like a couple fighting the way you decide about the relationship can be a couple who have, who are in a long-standing relationship who just know how each other's ticks and, and is either trying to dig at them or trying to work around them versus a couple that's on the brink of divorce. Do you know what mm. I mean? It's just an, yeah, how you that's feel. great. And if you do that with every single person in your scene, it just adds so many layers of complexity that makes it rich and watchable. That's what, because you're, you're not just playing what's on the page. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, that's good. So that's another, that's prep again, nothing beats prep. Nothing beats prep. Because yeah. I promise you, we notice and be consistent, be good. Be good, be consistent. So simple. And you can, I mean, you can tell pretty quickly whether people have put thought into the audition or whether they're just kind of phoning it in. Are you kidding? It in. It's so obvious. Even the yeah. people who are, it's it's so obvious because also don't forget we're seeing more than just you we have like this whole range of comparison Mm. um and it's not to say again it's not like we want the same thing we're seeing different types of people but the level of work you put into it will become clear um and that i find is usually the thing that makes you go that's it is not so much like, oh, Glenn, that's a perfect match for you. It's just what you've brought to it is like, that's it. So you could be completely different in real life. And that's what I get excited about. Mm. Um, And it's also, as a random side note, you can be as nervous as all get out when you come in. I don't care. You, You do you. But the second that you say rolling, that's the only part that actually, you know? Yeah. Um, just just give us a like just a one oh one oh one uh entry level just to, in terms of how how you want it shot like it, it, you know, tapes or... yeah yeah it, when I'm sending in my tests just just to give me a I don't do a lot a whole lot and I I I get baffled about what what I'm supposed to achieve by with the audition what 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 just in in basic technical terms what do you want Your frame to right now is good yeah right. yeah. Because- it's like a kind of well actually if I'm I'm a bit nitpicky so I'd probably tilt your if you're like tilt it so that your head is yes right yes. okay it's the things I know look it's the you things, want me in the center of the yeah. it's not so much the center it's more just anything that will be distracting and please don't I know like I said at the beginning please remember I know that everyone is looking for answers I know everyone is looking for like things that they can control but please don't be fanatical about these things that I'm saying now because they're not the make or break. I promise right. you. Just take it on board, but don't be like, you know, oh my God, I can't send this take in because I'm, it's just, right. that's all go with the flow. But like, for example. So it's okay. I mean, just behind me is a building site. Whenever I try and do a test from home, they're often hammering and, you know, putting scaffolding together and I, there's nothing I can do about it. Are you, would you be prepared to put up with that? Dave, I've asked you to supply me with what i used to provide for you so beggars can't be choosers you totally are you kidding and that again that's the thing right we've like put this thing onto actors of going like you don't only have to work to get the job but now you actually have to do the full production which is really cool but it's it's not changing is it it's not we're not going back to the old days where first round i don't think so and you know what i understand it from like a because it has actually helped in some ways not just to see more actors which I sometimes can be a bit of a cop-out in my personal opinion but um but for directors for example with director sessions if they're in production office and their production office is 40 minutes from your office that's kind of taking time out of their day etc so it's like let's just jump on zoom um for me I do like a good zoom um, so that's probably my compromise because I like to then I'll be able to work with you, but then, but also it allows that level of flexibility. I know it's not for everyone. Um, and I'd love to talk about that in a second, because I think people have really strong opinions about the different platforms when I personally feel like it's not a one size fits all. I right. think kind of like 
you have to make yourself director proof. You have to make yourself platform proof. You can have your own preference, but you've got to be able, don't use it as an excuse to go like, oh, I stuffed it up because of this. Right. I'm mm -hmm. being really frank because you have to understand that all three platforms, we are aware of the pitfalls of those platforms. We are, we take that into account. Right. But back to your thing about self-tapes is, I can't remember the question. So you're going to... Well Okay, so yeah, why what, what don't we um, say, uh, uh, you know, I'm having trouble at home, and I am challenged by the technology, and I don't, I live by myself for most of the time, so I don't have a, a reader here. If I can't get into the um, Equity Self-Test Studio, which is available to members by um, booking um, uh, through MEAA, through the, the Sydney office, there is a, a self-testing facility there. It's fabulous. Um, it's amazing. I've seen it, yes. It's yeah. amazing. Um, and on, uh, you know, as, as Alex said, on um, one day of the week, there are, uh, there's a technician there as well as a reader for you. But if, say you can't, say it's a Tuesday and, and they're only there on a Monday. And I'm like, I want it by Wednesday. Yeah. Am I allowed to come into your office there, your, your beautiful? What you should do is actually call your agent or contact us direct if, we, if you're a freelance and yep. say, hey, can't do this, don't have a reader, don't have this. And what we'll do is depending on our schedule and what was actually possible, and we will either um, extend the deadline if it helps you, jump on a Zoom if it helps you and it's the only option that I can do or do it in person. Currently in person generally is a little bit more for director sessions and callbacks. I'm not saying I dig that, um, it is kind of the way it's going. And some actors pr prefer it. This is the thing that I was talking about with the platforms. Some actors are like, man, Zoom is my jam. I love it. I prefer it. I can be in my PJs on the bottom, um, you know, uh, whereas others are like, nah, it's terrible. There's no connection. There's no chemistry. Yep. So, yeah. Yeah, we'll work with you to find a solution, basically. I don't want, I, it's not fair to put that on an actor to say, you know, you don't have a reader, but suck it up, or you've got construction next door, but suck it up because, yeah. yeah. Um, I'm just going to throw, I just saw a question pop up here in the chat. Asia, Asia, apologies if I've mispronounced your name, has asked um, about should we be members of Showcast and Casting Networks and IMDb and Altai? No, that's my strong opinion that I am very vocal about, but I think every casting director has a different opinion and every casting director has a different preference for platform, can I just say? And so do I, but that's not the actor's problem. Right. That's my problem. Um, and we have a platform that we use to book self-tapes and, and yes, that, and I'm not on my soapbox and I'm so amazing and wonderful, but... I just believe it's not the actor's responsibility. Yes, I would prefer it if the suggestions came through to that particular platform because it makes it all easier, but maybe that platform is too expensive or maybe that you're already on another platform and you don't want to do it. So it doesn't matter. We'll catch you. Right. I don't care is what I'm yeah. saying, um, but I know that people have strong preferences. So you yeah. need to look into that for per casting director. Um, but if we, oh, no, you can't recommend any particular platform if you're going to. I, do can't, I can't because it is such a, look, those that have been around for quite some time, uh, I am a fan, but right. um, okay. they're tried and tested. Yeah. Um, but it, you're not, it's not make or break. You're not going to be any closer to getting a job just because you are a, a showcast. Yeah. You know? 
I'm jumping all around the place, but another question came in from Susan H. Hello, Susan. Uh, she's asking if uh, it's okay to use a pre-recorded reader. I, I presume this means something that I did when I tried to do a fumble through a test the other day where I recorded myself on my iPad. Uh, it took me forever because I had to then leave gaps and then the gap wasn't long enough and I wish I was cleverer, but is that okay when you get that in? And it sounds like, still sounds You're like a me. content creator as well now. See? Yeah, yeah. Yes, it's totally fine. Right. And the thing is, okay, so what I would do to be extra careful in that particular situation, and if it's for me, again, I would, when I send it in, I would flag it with your agent or with us to say, hey, I have done this because I had to or because I've made this choice. Not creative, I'm talking technical. Could you please, if you'd like me to do it again, it's I can do that. Because right. then that shows me like, oh, okay, that is a thing that's going to fix a lot of stuff. Because sometimes when actors don't have someone reading opposite each other, uh, opposite them is a little bit harder to get the character. So I've seen actors auditions where I've gone or oh, they really need a reader and I'll organize them to jump on Zoom or I'll say, hey, is there any way that you can, you know, whatever. Excellent. So next time I'm going to flag, flag it with my agent because I, I didn't know what to do about that. We're working with you. So yeah, yeah, if, your, if your deadline is tomorrow, I mean, nine times out of 10 for a TVC, I'm sure that they will say no, that deadline is in four hours. But like sometimes I'll say, yeah, sure, you can. We just, that's an arbitrary date. Yeah. iPhone 101 yes. uh, asks about um, testing in a presumably for American product. Um, in America, uh, actors often have the script in their hand it's very clear that they're holding the script do you is that a is that fine or should you not have the script in hand what do you think i think it's totally i don't care the thing that i feel is is that it's more of a habit personally there's it's a psychology behind it so just and i'm a bit of a pedant when it comes to this in the same way that i'm a bit of a pedant about term, particular terminology like self-testing or testing is actually in america like the later stages it's like the very final stage of auditioning so I would never say a self-test because you're not at that final stage it's a self-tape so I'm quite pedantic about those things but with when it comes to um, um, holding script in hand historically speaking it was because in the states they didn't have enough time in between auditions pilot season is just a right. fight and you just barely have enough time to learn but what happened was that it, it kind of had had lent itself to this idea of freshness and like i'm just coming up with this is this weird psychology of i'm just reading this off the page and coming up with all of these things so no matter how prepared you are bottom line for me if you know your lines why would you hold the script yeah but if you don't know your lines sure if it's yeah. also a blanket sure hold it just don't let it be distracting yeah Faye uh has just posted on on in the chat that there is an actors reader network group on facebook which i which that sounds obvious but i didn't know about that that's really helpful to know and um ron arthur's in wa said that there's also a, a one in perth and he's included a link to that um to that uh group so excellent phil has uh asked oh, what behaviors and actions from a talent agent that you're dealing with demonstrate to you that they're a good agent or a strong agent i presume the, you know okay, so not suggesting every single person on their books for every single role having right. a bit like being a little bit more discerning because it means that i i start to trust their judgment because if yep. they're right then then i will be more inclined to go hey i have this role can you just put down who you think is if i'm moving fast i will there are and there are some agents where i will go 
hey, I'm moving really quick. Can you please just whoever you think is going to be right, but I want to see this person and this person. Yeah. Um, but anyone else you want. Do you know what I mean? Because yeah. I know that they won't waste my time. They won't waste their actor's time. Also, I have to say, I mean, a- agents who are... Um, bullish like they need to be they're just doing their job if they're not taking hints and they're not kind of having a two-way conversation and just keep hammering it on then it's a bit like you know um, but if they're just passionate about their actors and they're getting it right and going this person is going to be great for this role that's what I like yeah um, look, look. we've got 15 minutes. Um, so if anybody uh, wants to ask a question and appear on the screen to ask to talk to uh, Amanda directly, um, Alex can uh, facilitate that. So um, I can. Now, I do want to, I've written it in the uh, chat, but I do want to uh, reiterate that we are recording this. So if you do want to ask Amanda directly, you will be part of the podcast. So just be aware of that because we aren't able to edit people out. So we've got a question from an act, an English actor, actress, uh, who has got a big CV but is having trouble getting an agent getting seen. So how does someone who is coming in from another country who's got a, an established, had an established career get get on people's not radar and presumably also we could i guess any actor who doesn't have an agent is it is it how do they how do they get through to you as well amanda uh, it's look there's no one easy answer unfortunately firstly can i also can i say to the uh, british actress that i'm casting um or british actor i'm casting austin which is um which also shoots in the UK and has quite a few UK roles they're very small roles but they're UK accented roles so if you want to email so um, email you email you that's okay for an actor to contact you directly okay then that then that goes on to the whole how to be seen right so I think if I think you have to do your homework. It's using things like this. It's using like just to, to, to ask me, what are you casting? I mean, don't ask me because it's very quiet, but <laughs> there's more to come next year. But asking these environments, asking fellow actors, finding out what, asking your agent, what are they and doing your research. And then again, it only works for me. Other casting folk might blacklist you. So be careful, but I would be fine with you. I've, ask for auditions when people have emailed going hey I heard that you're casting you know this particular role I'm actually you know that that requires martial arts I'm actually a martial arts blah 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 and here's a show reel da, da, da. I think that's really great that's using that's being proactive the only thing I'd be careful of is if if you're gonna really go for a role with me make sure you're actually right for it right. make sure because that that <laughs> you'll run out of favor quickly a hundred percent if you are terrible for it i will not just the same way with agents i will not trust your judgment yeah. and i'll have to do it myself and we also have to reasonably understand you know understand with all reason that you can't you know suddenly all you know the 150 of us on this chat today we can't all just start emailing you saying see me for this see me for this because you it's just not practically possible yeah. so yeah. we have to be understanding that if, you, if it's not always going to work but it's worth a shot right Yes, correct. And I think there's nothing wrong with um, periodically updating. Like I say that there's no shelf life of an actor. If you, if you, 
you know, come in and bomb or do a really bad audition, that doesn't define you for the rest of your career. In six months time, you could turn it around and be this amazing. So who am I to judge and go, I'm never going to see that person again. Yeah. Um, so I think it's about checking in and, and sending whatever material that you have, even if it's just, and I know sometimes you like a lot of the time you don't get responses back and it's like, God, how many admin emails, like email addresses can I send to but just keep doing it because that's one way. And then you've got to have other ways. You know what I mean? Like going through your agent or like finding out, like I said, finding out what I've had people even put down, put down scenes that are in line with a particular character. Cause I like the fact of respecting, do not, do not put down an unsolicited tape, especially if the sides are watermarked with another actor's name, because that to me is very disrespectful. It not just, not only breaches confidentiality for anything that's watermarked, but is actually, uh, to me, is just disrespectful. However, if you're really passionate about it and you think that you're really great, put down a similar scene or that shows similar traits and go, look, I really love the option to, I had an actor the other day for Austin, who put down this like really quirky, adorable, like monologue cut together of him using different English accents. Right. Like it was really fun going, if I had the sides for this, blah, 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 I would do this. And it was like, that's so fun. Good on Austin. Yeah. Um, I'm going to go, I'm going to, I see Paige has her hand up there. Just before we flip to Paige, Alex, is that yeah. okay? Yeah. Um, I'll just quickly ask Amanda, um, Alice from, uh Adelaide um has said do you consider uh actors from smaller states like Adelaide or Tasmania or wherever um for support and main cast uh roles in that are be, you know being shot in Sydney or is it what's yes the- and yes and that's not specific to the being a smaller city it's it, like if if we don't look at your city for geography reasons, it's it's that we're not looking anywhere other than the place that it's shot. So it's nothing to do with it being Adelaide or whatever. Yes, is the answer. Okay. We do, unless it's being cast only in this in the city that it's shot, of course. Yeah. Um, Faye, who posted the um the great drew our attention to the casting network on on Facebook. Sorry, Actors Reader Network on Facebook. Could you just, if you've got the link, can you post it for people to see that? And Paige. Uh hi. Um Thank you so much for talking um, and telling us all this insider information. Um, I really was curious, I guess, about more genre auditions. Like you talk about knowing the style and the type and for like a sci-fi or a fantasy, what are, I guess, some interesting things that you found really, I guess, ignite your interest? Because I find that, you know, when you're doing a scene that's more contemporary, it can be I guess a lot easier with like a plain background and stuff, but I find like when I get a fantasy or a sci-fi script, sometimes I'm worried about the setting or confused about characters. Like, do you I think that it. that's a thing where I could call my agent and say like, Hey, could we ask casting more information or? 100%. 100%. Okay, great. So that kind of lends itself to the whole like heightened material as well. Like period. Yeah. Things. Yeah. Like when we've, in, Years ago, we did we would do some searches for Game of Thrones, for example, and it's it kind of tends to become this really great presentational thing because of the dialogue, and so it's about playing against that. But 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 with sci-fi and stuff, it tends to actually have much more of a physical aspect to it as well. So little things like if there are actions in the sequence, I would actually pick the core things that keep it really focused and maybe even do it a, a, a take in mid-shot, but then also maybe a take in close-up to be able to see your face a little bit. Does that make sense? Yeah, 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 totally. 
But when in doubt, ask your agent to ask and we'll clarify. Beautiful. Amazing. Thank you. Happy with that page? Yes. <laughs> uh, Shino, was it? Me. You ready? Yeah. Shingo. Yeah. Shingo. Oh, it's me. Oh, yeah. Shingo. Yes. Shingo. Shingo. Hi. Hi, Amanda. Um, yes. Hi, how are you? Um, yes. Uh, you know, in terms of diversity, it's getting better and better for us, you know, non-Caucasian actors, but, um, you know, after COVID and strike, and what's your sense in terms of the progress in terms of that? Is you know, it likely to get more or? Oh, I hope so. I hope so. The interesting thing that I have noticed as a pattern, which it has been a little concerning in some respects, but I, I'm, I'm hopeful will iron itself out, is is the casting authentically. Now, the casting authentically itself, to be very clear, is not the part that's concerning mm -hmm. for me at all, because of course, um, when it's appropriate, but I think that sometimes it does um limit to a certain degree um and i think that we're making it very difficult for actors to actually in some respects do their job and be actors um uh and i think it's a case-by-case -case situation of looking at the character looking at the story looking at the character's background etc i know i'm talking about authentically casting but but i think that those are the things that are important to factor in when you're approaching casting at the start. In terms of diversity, yeah, I kind of, I think it, I can't help but feel like it's just gonna keep getting better. Like, I, I don't know how to answer that because I think that we've kind of hit a point where we have stopped being okay with, right. with, with no diversity, which is probably the most crucial part of the conversation. <laughs> Um, right. But there is not just, a, you know, the political correctness by the, you know, the executive or some or tick, tick, tick kind of reaction. No, it's actually, well, I think, and this is something that I've had a lot of conversations about, and I'm sure that people, you've all had conversations about, um, is the, the idea of where it actually comes from and this, where it stems from. And it is the stories that we tell, right? It's not just to say, oh, because this person is like, it's a person who grew up and in, is Indian of Indian um, heritage and grew up in India and blah, 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 blah. Like, and so therefore that is the diverse casting. But I think that it allows for those stories to tell, to kind of show people that there, that there are more stories to tell. And then people, and that'll have a kind of ripple effect on just general roles. It's, it's a bit strange mm -hmm. because sometimes I don't think I'm, I don't know if I'm answering your question, Shingo, so I'm sorry, but I, I guess no, I, no, I, you are not. I think it can only improve is what yeah. I'm saying. And, and as a casting director, Amanda, you are so open to, to a rich, the rich diversity of the community applying, you know, auditioning. Yes. Yeah. Honestly, though, I have had the most shocking conversations with some people in the industry um, who have said things like, you know, oh, I just always saw, I always thought, saw a white person in that role, or I always thought that it would be a non-white person. And it's like, what, why? And people think like that. People, there are people who think like that. But also people casting for the sake of diversity, I don't dig, I just don't like it. Like I like you, you have to keep an open mind and be very conscious. And that's an ongoing conversation with the with the teams that I've worked with as we gather an ensemble. But that's less about, oh guys, we don't have enough diversity and more about like, are we actually reflecting reality? That's literally the conversation. I've had conversations where I'm like, 
guys, there are no white people in this thing. Like that surely, you know, and I mean, that's a very crass way of putting it, but it's like, it's all about balance of, Shingo, are you happy? Uh, we've only got a couple of minutes left. Thanks. Thank you, my friend. Yeah, I'm fully um, happy. Thank you. Scott, um, Sally Chang has got a question about the US connection. And so we'll have the one last quick question and then go back to you, Glenn, if that's all right. Okay, no problem. So uh, this is a question from Sally. Hi. Hi, man. It's so nice to meet you in person. You're a lot of fun. Um, my question is, um, can you elaborate a little bit about the difference between US casting expectations versus Australian casting expectations? Oh, sorry. Is that a big question? If we have another hour, I would love to talk about it. But um, as a brief, uh, do, do you mind defining expectations? Um, I guess more along the lines of um, self-tape, um, time frame and maybe um the the type the style of tapes that we would do yeah okay so i think um turnaround is generally uh i mean for me it would be about the same because i would be running it um unless it's a search so if it does it do you know what i mean when i say a search so when we're doing like when we do a, a sweep of australia and new zealand for a particular role that's shooting elsewhere but we're, we are looking at all of the Australian and New Zealand um, contenders for that particular role. So that's a really quick turnaround. But like casting American stuff that shoots here, I think generally speaking, they're, they're a little bit more polished in, in what they expect. They don't need full makeup and full like studio, but I think that there is a level of presentation that's a slightly more formal than the Australian approach. Um, because I think that's, that's, they're just so used to it. They're so spoilt over there with um, actors who are kind of, you know, present in that way. Um, um, obviously accent uh, and that needing to be completely perfect. Um, and I think sometimes they can be a little bit more particular about um, not so much post COVID, but a little bit more particular about, you know, having a reader, for example, rather than reading to silence. Yeah. Yeah. Great. Thank um, you so much. Thank should, you. Sorry, I should just also clarify. Um, when I was speaking about diversity, I use the diversity in terms of the heritage, but obviously there's all different types of diversity. That was just one example that was the kind of. Um, yeah. yeah. Like Thank you, Amanda. Um, look, I think that's our time, right, Alex? Where. Yep. So I just look, thank you to everybody uh, for tuning in and uh, for standing together strong you know, strongly together uh, in the union. Um, it's the right thing to do. Uh, and uh, tell your friends that are in the business that if they're not members of the union to really consider it because we do need to uh, stand together. And Amanda. Yes. That. Yeah. Amanda, I just, I want to thank Alex Jones and the Equity Foundation as always for their incredible lineup of programs across the year. Thank you so much for all the hard work that you all uh, put into um, creating all these great opportunities for uh, members. So thank you. Uh, we may have uh, a video from Media Super, our sponsor. Is that going to happen? I'll give it a go. Um, give it a go. Uh, as we're leaving, but I just want to say thank you to you, Glenn. Uh, yeah. Glenn is uh, Vice President of uh, New South Wales Branch, and I can always call on him, and he's always wonderful, and he's able to facilitate this wonderful conversation. And, of course, Amanda, I know how busy you are, so it's so good of you to do this for us. Really appreciate it. Thank yeah, you so thank much. You for your, thank you for your time, Amanda, and your generosity and your candid um, um, conversation. I really appreciate it. I'm sure everybody uh, listening has, has gotten a lot out of it about great value. So thank you so much.
and to all who came today. Thank you so much. I'm sorry we Thank couldn't you. get to everyone's questions. We would yes, have been here all day. Thank you. Thanks so Thank much. Thank you, Amanda. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Amanda, Glenn, Thank and you. Alex. Thanks, Thanks Amanda. Much. Bye. Thank you. Bye bye. Thank you for listening to this podcast. Brought to you by our principal sponsor, Media Super and the Equity Foundation. For more information about the work we do, visit equityfoundation.org.au or follow Equity Foundation Australia on Facebook and Instagram.